This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and on today's episode, we'll be looking at back at United's defeat to Sheffield United in midweek as the blade burst United's bubble and we'll be looking ahead to the weekend game against Arsenal as well in the Premier League. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Tyrone Marshall. Hello. And by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. Are you, you both OK? Yes, as, as well as can be expected, fortunately. Yeah, fine. I'm just delighted, enjoying the delights of homeworking by doing a podcast from my bedroom floor, seeing as uh, we show sort of space with a baby in the house. I'm sure, sure, plenty of people can uh, associate with that. Yeah, and if you're it listening is. to the audio, it's it's worth checking out the video. <laughs> I'll let you be the judge of it, but yeah, you look not very comfortable. But let's hope that the no, it's not a great setup. It was a bit more uh, enjoyable to be on the podcast. Uh, it was almost an in joke that we said last season that you two had the displeasure of being at Old Trafford for a match, and you know it's sort of the same case again. Uh, you're both there on Wednesday night for United against Sheffield United, a game which was awful for a whole lot of reasons, both on and off the pitch. Eventually, Samuel, looking back on that game, and while we'll just talk about the football for now, how how bad was it? Was it simply an off night from United, or was it maybe signs of of a defeat which had been coming for weeks? No, I, I would say it felt more like an off night. It certainly was a performance in keeping with uh, the way they were playing at the start of the season, just that that lethargy, how disjointed they looked. They, they started, I thought, quite patiently. And at that point, I didn't think there was too much to worry about. But then it was almost as if that manifested itself and a patient start became a lethargic start shoved united sees on that from a corner which is you know one of one of united's um failings this season has been their inability to defend from corners i think they've conceded eight goals from from corners um across all competitions and in fairness to Sheffield United they, they were resolute they were organised I think Jagielka's challenge early on on Marshall that seemed to cow Marshall which is it, it was unusual to see him cowed by that given that he it was against that team that he scored a hat-trick against last season he's rinsed Jagielka before when Jagielka was at Everton but he's just his confidence is on the floor at the moment and although that team was was strong enough and should have been strong enough to beat a team that had lost what 16 of their 19 games in the league had one one win in that run worst ever start to a top flight season in English football I would say that Solskjaer probably took out too many regulars fair enough Luke Shaw needed a breather it's 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 on Alex Tellez that he looked as reluctant attacker an attacker as he was I think he's you know, the peak of his performances was on his debut in Paris, not really seeing too much otherwise from him to suggest why United paid the money that they did. And I think with Tellez, we certainly saw it with Fernandez looking at his stats. We thought before he came to United, that's, that's just got to be reflective of the Portuguese league, how weak it is. Of course, Fernandez has come over here and been a phenomenon, whereas Tellez seems more of a reliable gauge of what the standard football is actually like in Portugal because, of course, he had impressive numbers, but he's not really transmitted them um, into into English football yet so far. And taking Fred out, I thought that was dubious. Um, 
and, and just during the game, there was a real lack of uh, lack of alacrity from from Solskjaer and the coaching staff to change anything. The, the first substitution took far, far, far too long. Uh, Mason Greenwood coming off amused just about everyone who was in the press box. I think the expectation was that Marshall would come off because Greenwood was the best of a blunt front six. And then when Sheffield United went 2-1 up, they, they took another nine minutes to make the, the next two changes. There was no no change in formation, even when Van der Beek came on for, for two and ZB, Matic just went into a back four. And they didn't need that creative partner for Pogba a lot sooner. So it's just strange. It was almost as if they had stage fright, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily you know identify it as stage fright. It was just a night where Every key decision um, went against, not not went against them, but they just got every key decision wrong. And it, it feels a bit moot to even dwell on the um, the referee decisions at, at each corner. I don't think what Billy Sharp did legislates for how feeble De Gea was trying to punch the ball away from from Keane Bryan. I think Harry Maguire was unlucky, but when when United lose like that and play as dismally as that, it, it's just as I said, it's it's moot even dwelling as much as I have just done there. I ironically, on the decisions um, from, from those two corners. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't really going to ask you about them because, you know, regardless, it might be a small contributing factor to the, the defeat with United with Phil Lackluster and still conceded twice against Sheffield United and created little themselves. You know, you can, you can say and bemoan the referees, but it really doesn't count for much and it's not an excuse to use it. really do want to be going for the title. Uh, Tyrone, on the team selection then, uh, Solskjaer has been a bit interesting in recent weeks. We keep on saying how United have this squad depth but then he is so, maybe, is it too faithful in someone like Marshall? Because when you see Solskjaer keeping Marshall on for as long as he does, and, you know, persisting with him, do you think that's coming from him being a striker himself and knowing that one goal can change your season and you can get that uplift in form? Or do you think he is just being a bit clueless lately? Because it seems so obvious that Marshall shouldn't be playing, but yet he does every single week. Yeah, I think it's more to do with his desire to rest and rotate players, really. Um, I mean, Martial didn't play against Liverpool, did he? Um, I, yeah, I think he, he was started. Did he start oh, that sorry, one? In, in, in the league game, he started at Anfield. He started. Yeah, in the cup game, he was, um, he was, he was on, on the bench. bench think, yeah. yeah, you know, it does feel like this is determination to, to rotate players. And as good as Cavani's been, when I heard Solskjaer talking about his running stats in his press conference on Tuesday and saying he'd run... 12 kilometres and, you know, it had been so energetic against Liverpool in the cup. He played the full 90 minutes at Fulham, the full 90 minutes against Liverpool in the cup. And to me, that just made me think he's not going to start because we've seen how desperate Solskjaer is to rotate everyone, really, apart from Fernandes and Maguire. And, and even Fernandes got a rest in the cup game. So, you know, Solskjaer's put a lot of, a lot of faith this season in that rotation policy and, and trying to keep players as, as fresh as possible. So it wasn't really a surprise that Martial started. It was a surprise that he stayed on as long as he did because, like Samuel, I thought he was really, really poor and just looked he looked short of confidence really throughout the entire game and he's he's certainly an issue for United at the moment and it's clear they're a far better side with with Cavani there but as fit as Cavani is for a 33 year old I don't think Solskjaer wants to play him 90 minutes on a Wednesday and 90 minutes at the weekend and then 90 minutes on a Wednesday again and then 90 minutes at a weekend so you know it's inevitable he was going to come out at some point and and when he was so praiseful of his running stats and, and the energy he showed against Liverpool did maybe think that this was going to be an obvious game for him to come out and you know at the end of the day Martial should still be good enough to be causing some damage to, to Sheffield United I, I did think Sheffield United played really well actually and didn't look like a team who had five points from 19 games. You know, I mean, it would be an absolute travesty if they ended up as the worst ever Premier League team, um, really, considering how good they were last season. And, and I thought they were really good um, on, on Wednesday. So, but still, United should be beating them. The front three should should be good enough to cause them problems. And 
you know, there's no doubt Martial is an issue because Solskjaer is going to want to continue rotating. He's, he's not going to play Cavani every week. I just don't see it happening the way he's treated his squad this season and probably rightly so. But that, that does create an issue because, you know, I mean, it's a bit of a, a strange scenario in that I think in June and July, we were probably all writing and saying that it's the front three for United, that, you know, they've got the basis of a front three that can win them titles in years to come in Greenwood, Rashford and Martial. Here they are in a title race and all three uh, are underperforming compared to last year's numbers. So, you know, strangely, what we considered United strength in, in June and July hasn't really been a strong point for them this season, but they are still there in a title race. So, you know, they, they do need improvement from all three of them. And I think Martial is the most obvious example of someone who who needs to improve because as, you know, as good as he was last season, as big a step forward as he took last season, he's just reverted to type so far this season. Uh, Samuel, the uh, game sadly was overshadowed by the uh, racist abuse directed at Axel Twanzebe and Anthony Marshall on social media after the game. United issued a statement in the wake of that, you know, condemning it absolutely and the disgusting, intolerable behaviour is something that sadly still seems to be so rife and we see incidents almost every month now and almost every week and you go for cross football across Europe, it's still something which is so apparent. Um, yeah, United's statement was condemning the mindless idiots who, who conducted it, but what do you think can be done going forward to to ensure that this uh, doesn't happen anymore? Well, the United Director of Communications, Charlie Brooks, was on Five Live this morning and he again re- reiterated the need for um, users on social media to be uh, verifiable or identifiable because some people hide behind faceless avatars, behind pseudonyms, just so they can spout their, their, their hate. Um, which is a very warped way of going about your life. But unfortunately, there are people out there that are like that. And that is intolerable. Some people use social media and they have to, you know, they, they can't or, or they won't um, put their name to it for sometimes understandable reasons. And as long as they're abiding by rules and they're not um, acting in a hateful way, they're not being abusive, that's that's fine. But it's clear that there are an awful lot of people out there that, hide behind pseudonyms because they're they're racist because they're hateful because they're prejudiced and it's it's just depressing that so often the fallout from football matches a defeat is covering this this side of it and again this morning uh, marshall's wife had up posted um some messages on her instagram story of messages that had been directed to her that were racist that were death threats against not just her not against not just against her husband but against their um, two-year-old son as well and i think the most alarming thing was that because obviously the username was was visible a quick search on instagram showed that the the account was still was still active hadn't been suspended hadn't been removed and so you wonder what the hell uh, these social media companies are doing with their policing. They're about as competent as policing as, as, as Chief Wiggum is. And I know that's that's maybe a bit of a you know sardonic way of looking at it, but it's it's just such a such a disheartening, demoralising subject matter that seems to be coming up every. I mean, Solskjaer said every bloody week at one point last season, especially after the um, the Italian newspaper that had the Black Friday headline preview in Smalling up against Lukaku. Unfortunately, there are certain territories in the world that still have backwards trends about them. This country's had issues in recent years. You know, it's it's a whole minefield out there if you want to get into the Brexit thing. But unfortunately that that was representative of this this country's outlook on um immigration on on race and 
it's, it's very saddening because these these idiots who probably you know people can vote for brexit and not be racist i'm, I'm not saying that everyone who voted for brexit is, is racist not the case at all but these racists who did vote for brexit probably celebrated by going to a curry house or having a chinese takeaway um that's how moronic they are and we've all you know been subjected to abuse on social media sometimes you block it out sometimes um it, it gets to you uh, and there's the mental health aspect as well and it's just, I mean, I still wrote a piece that was critical of Marshall after after the game on, on Wednesday night, because it is important to still be objective and analytical with no prejudices whatsoever. It, it's just beyond comprehension to me that someone can watch a game of football and go away and send a message to someone or target someone based on the colour of their skin. It's just utterly reprehensible. They've they've got absolutely no place in society. They don't deserve the airtime. In in some ways, when when I saw that, I think it was Sky who first ran the story, Sky Sports, that they'd contacted um, Instagram and Facebook for comment on it. You think, you know, if if you if you're willing to plunge into the cesspit or plummet into the cesspit, you are going to find some undesirables. And sometimes it's best just to ignore them, uh, not give them the airtime that they clearly crave. But the relevant angle on this is that the social media companies are not doing enough to clamp down on this stuff. Facebook removing Donald Trump's uh, account last month was well after the horse had bolted. They allowed him to effectively win the 2016 election based on hatred, based on uh, the fake news that he claimed others were guilty of, but he, he perpetuated more than anyone. So this has been going on for a long time now, and it has, has major, major ramifications. And it's just so sad that we still talk about it. Yeah, it's intolerable, inhuman and disgusting. And hopefully, like I said, it can, obviously it's a disgusting story to talk about, but if it can be used as a motion for change, then hopefully that can be the one glimmer of aspect of sort of hope that you can take from social media companies being called out on it time and time again but something has to change it's not tolerable it never has been something has to change now Tyrone we'll get back onto the football now United need to get their season back on track and they face Arsenal in the Premier League this weekend United's game has taken on all new meaning after the defeat to Sheffield United United now have a point to prove again you know Arsenal second in the Premier League form table as well so we talk almost every week how United have a new challenge and a new hurdle to overcome Arsenal away Solskjaer still hasn't beaten Arsenal in the league since he took over as United manager what type of game are you expecting at the Emirates on Saturday evening? Probably a pretty similar one to the game at Old Trafford um, earlier this season in a game of fairly few chances I can't see it being a, a thriller Arsenal have been much better recently under uh, Arteta and have sort of you know, got back on the right track, but you still don't feel like they're they're a great team. They're not a top four team at the moment. And I think their first priority will be defending well. That's been their approach against big six teams, that they just sit back in and defend and, and look to play on the counter, really, and, and lure teams into them. Um, and I can't see, you know, United's, United haven't had many crackers against the top six this season, perhaps that FA Cup tie aside. So I think it'll be a fairly cautious game, especially what happened in, in midweek. It is a it is a big one for United. It feels like a big one. It feels like a big a big 10 days, really, for their, their title ambitions. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, the, the critics have expected United to fall away at some point this season and have said that this, you know, this is a, a one-off, enjoy your two weeks in the sun and, and that it won't last. And losing at home to Sheffield United, I think is, you know, has emboldened them. And the people who said that this wasn't a serious title challenge will think this is the beginning of the end for, for United. And they've got three games now in the league in, in this, Southampton at home and Everton at home. 
which are, are all winnable, but are all tricky in their own right as well. They're three games that, you know, United took two points from those three fixtures last season. And they had a habit last season of following up one bad result with another. They weren't, they weren't particularly good last year at clearing their heads after a setback. And instead of just having, instead of it becoming an off night, they ended up in sort of two, three game runs where they had a succession of bad results and almost had like the, a succession of mini crises under Solskjaer because they couldn't respond to a setback in the next game. It, it happened all too often. I was having a look this morning and taking away the severe defeat in the last game of the season. They lost 11 games before that and only won the next game on four occasions. So, you know, it, too often that they failed to get the response, which every professional footballer manager talks about when you lose a game and which United were talking about on Wednesday night. So, you know, they need to show that that has changed this season. Soscar's mentioned a lot about the change in mentality, that how the four new signings since January have added a winning mentality to the team, turned draws into wins this season. Now they need to turn defeats into one-off defeats, really, and, and make sure you're responding. If United do go to Emirates and win, then I think the Sheffield United game will just be seen as a one-off. United are far from the only team to, to have a bad result against a team you wouldn't expect them to this season. I think whoever wins the league will look back and think, God, well, how on earth did that happen? So... It doesn't have to be a disaster for United. It was a bad night, but if they turn around and, and win at the Emirates, then I think we'll all think, well, they're back in the title race. It was just a one-off, but they do need to show that they can clear their heads quickly and, and get back on track and possibly a good game for that. And it's a, a tricky game, but the fact it's a tricky game also means that they will have to be at their very best. Yeah, of course, it's a game where, you know, whatever happens on Saturday, that's a definitive sort of response. If United were playing a relegation side and beat them, fans still might argue that they haven't really yeah. turned yeah, so it is a good point for them to prove that. Uh, Samuel, it was against, it was after the draw with Liverpool that Solskjaer said that it's only a good point, you know, if they go and beat Fulham in the next game, which they did. Um, the defeat to Sheffield United, like Ty said at the end of the season, who knows, Sheffield United could beat Man City tomorrow and then maybe it isn't such a bad result anyway, but uh, that seems quite unlikely. But it is all about the response. What type of approach would you adopt if you're United going to, to Arsenal? Because we saw them work wonders when they used that false nine uh, in that FA Cup win they had uh, early into Solskjaer's reign. And, you know, but against Liverpool last weekend, they were excellent playing their own game. Do you think United need to go out and adapt to Arsenal's threat? Or do you think they should just go there and take the jugular themselves and play that more attractive, open, expansive game we've seen? I certainly don't expect them to go for the jugular. But given that Arsenal seems to have shied away from a back three, I don't think it's an occasion for a back three either. And especially given even though there's been some improvement from Arsenal, they're still still where they are on the table and they're not a team that demand that level of respect necessarily, I'd, I'd argue. It's it's an interesting one in that you'd think that McTominay and Fred will come back in, especially after they were on the bench and unused against Sheffield United and, and the fact that United obviously lost as well, which would therefore mean that if, if Pogba is to play, he has to be accommodated on the wing. And then you're wondering... Well, he's he's probably not going to drop Rashford. I think it's pretty likely that Cavani will come in for Martial, which is pretty harsh on Greenwood. He started the last three games, and he was the best. He was the best stri- uh, forward against Sheffield United. It was again, it was just a very very peculiar decision to take him off. I know he missed a very good chance early in the first half, but his overall contribution trumps all of his pretty much all of his teammates in in the final third. So. I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a selection or a use of a player that, that surprises us a little bit like when Pogba played on the right at Liverpool. I think everybody expects him to play that game, but play on the left. Rashford just doesn't conceal how much he dislikes playing on the right, which in some cases is is quite strange because there's been a vacancy 
there for as long as he's been playing in the United first team. And he's never thought, well, I could be playing there for the rest of my career. That's that's me nailed on as, as the, the right wing for the next 10 or 15 years, potentially, if he, keep, if, if he keeps his head down and um, continues in the way he started. But he just doesn't like playing there. And he probably got worse, I think, against Sheffield United when he did switch flanks. And that was part of the problem in that the way they ended that Sheffield United game, you had Marshall on the left. Now, Marshall doesn't identify as a left winger anymore. And he's had his nose put out of joint by Cavani coming in, as Ibrahimovic did, as Lukaku did. I mean, Marshall's kind of come full circle there now. And it's maybe more acute because even though it's just a squad number, he requested to reclaim the number nine. But... There are, there are evidently doubts about his suitability to play there again, especially when United have recruited a specialist like Cavani, who is just a better striker. And then you've got Rashford on the other side, who just doesn't like to play there. So it's not really conducive to... It wasn't really conducive to the attacking approach they had in trying to get an equaliser or trying to win the game. It's certainly time for Diallo to at least be in the squad. Um, I, I mean, I noticed one of the strange things about just the whole substitute strategy on Wednesday night was that when Marshall got injured in the second minute or whenever it was, the player who was told to warm up was Daniel James. Cavani was just stayed in his seat and James must have warmed up about two or three more times throughout the course of the game and at no point did anyone actually expect him to come on the only uh, wide player who did come on was Luke Shaw who's a left back and after the game James was going through some uh, sprints with with one of the coaches normally all of the outfield substitutes do a warm down kind of thing after matches but on Wednesday, it was just James, but he's hardly getting picked. He must have played in about five five league games all season. Clearly, Solskjaer doesn't think he's ready to come on and affect games like you know, Mata, for, for some reason, isn't getting used at all. I'd have put Mata on against Sheffield United. He can make something happen. He's got that game-changing prowess about him. But given that he's short of natural wingers at the moment to bring on in a game to try and affect it, I, I really think that it's time for Diallo to to come in now because there is that element of the unknown quantity about him even though I'm sure that Arsenal one of their scouts will have clapped eyes on him at one point or another and, and filed a report on him I mean it's not like United got a complete unknown most of the European the major European clubs had scouts watching him but where he's not played that much first team football um, United got to maximise that while they still can and uh, I, I just I just don't see the excuse to, to be holding him back anymore he's trained for a couple of weeks United have lost a game Daniel James isn't getting a look in if if they need a source of inspiration someone unpredictable he's you know the the timing of his arrival of him coming to the club is um is pretty good for them yeah totally agree with this and it'll be interesting to see of course United under 23s play Liverpool tomorrow afternoon as well a suggestion he could feature in that but um we're recording this before Solskjaer's press conference on Friday so we should get an idea and hopefully an update from the manager uh, about what Diallo's role will be on Saturday whether he'll be involved with either side and, and if he makes the trip down to London with the rest of his teammates one player who won't be there though Ty is Jesse Lingard he famously labelled the Emirates as the dance floor when he posted an Instagram celebration of a, a goal there um his move to West Ham good news for for him and a fresh lease of life that works work well for West Ham works well for United yeah I think it's pretty clear that him and United needed uh, a very amicable divorce and, and to move on he's you know I mean he, he's absolutely nowhere near it here is he he's not played since those EFR Cup games he's not 
kicked a ball all season in the Premier League. He's not in any matchday squads. It's it, it can't be made any clearer to him that his time at, at Manchester United is done. And I think it's been done for a while, really. And he needed to show some professional pride in moving on. I, I was surprised he didn't push for a move in the summer, but he had to go now and he has to go permanently next summer. He's... I mean, we all there's always this joke about how Lingard's always seen as a promising young player, but he's 27 or 28 now, and you know he should be in his prime. 30 next year. I mean, you know, how has Jesse Lingard got to 30? He needs to be playing every single week. There's no doubt there is a good footballer in there somewhere. You know, I always thought his intelligence, his football intelligence, was one of his biggest assets. Really, I think he's a player who helps create space for others and, and knows what runs to make, how to drag players around. I don't think he's a top six player, but he's certainly good enough for a mid-table team. I think he's better than fighting a relegation battle in the Premier League. So a team like West Ham, I think he can undoubtedly add something and he just needs to be playing every week. He needs a run of games and he need, that's always going to be away from Old Trafford. And, you know, it's a loan move. He's managed to put himself in the shop window because there's no doubt come the summer it has to be a, a permanent parting of the ways between him and United. Yeah, for, for me, it's kind of similar to that Ross Barkley loan to Villa where he's gone to a team that was sort of mid-table to push him and he's fitting well. He's made a name for himself again and rejuvenated his career. Obviously, I think Lingard is more talented than, than Barkley. And like so technically superb so for his sake let's let's hope he can do it Samuel on transfers now you did a piece of us more and Brandon Williams looks like he's going to stay at United for this window despite some interest from, from Premier League clubs what is the latest on the United sort of transfer uh, ins and outs ahead of Monday's deadline there's some frustration uh, within Williams's camp that he is he's not essentially uh, being allowed to to go out on loan, which isn't a surprise given that Fosu Mensah was sold. Ethan Laird has gone on loan to MK Dons. I'd have thought maybe with Laird, if he hadn't got injured in the first half of the season and missed so many under-23 games, maybe United would have been open to promoting him to the first team squad and then letting Williams go out on loan. Unfortunately for Williams, uh, because he's, he's had so little playing time this season, Laird is the one who's gone out on loan. He needs games. He's, he's certainly at a level where he's far too good for the under-23s. He's probably been too good for the under-23s for a year, I would say. But that possibility, that not not succession plan, but just that transition, uh, that change up at right back was probably suffered by not just um, Laird's injury in the first half of the season, but also Kieran Trippier's betting ban that FIFA that was issued by, I can't remember whether it was FIFA or the FA, I think it was the FA, but it's mm. it's it's FIFA wide and it's for 10 weeks. United were looking to to sign Trippier because he's only got 18 months left on these Atletico contract. They're, they're, they understand they accept that Aaron Wan-Bissaka needs competition at right back, that he needs someone to, to kick him on. A little bit like how Tellez has with Shaw. I don't think I don't think Tellez has been particularly good for United, but his presence alone has certainly um, elicited a huge improvement from, from Luke Shaw. So it's it's a pity for Williams, but if Wan-Bissaka gets injured, there's a chance for him to maybe come in there. I suppose that the caveat with that would be that Tuanzebe did look good at right back against Everton last month in the Carabao Cup. Uh, beyond Williams, Pelestri, if we could know Pelestri could go on loan. Uh, I think I think I wrote that last week, and this his agent has since said that he could join a Spanish club. I think Alaves was has been mentioned as as an option there. Romero and Rojo <laughs> um, have not been at Carrington all month. Uh, Rojo is still in Argentina, having barbecues, earning in excess of 100 grand a week, having not played for United since November 2019, I think it is. 
I mean, really, United should be probably giving Antonio Conte a, a call before Monday's deadline because if there's anyone who's going to take some unwanted Premier League rejects, it's, it's likely to be Inter Milan. But unfortunately for United, Rojo is still very much an immovable object. They're releasing him in the summer, but they've only got three more days at the time that I'm speaking to obtain a fee for him and Romero. Romero's not been training at Carrington this month. Um, I'm not too sure if he's even back in England. I think United were quite inconsistent with what they were saying on on his situation because obviously they, they want to they want a fee for him but I, I I always was very doubtful that they would get fee for either of those two players because what club out there I mean, maybe Liverpool could do with Rojo but I, I think even Liverpool with their chronic central defensive injuries um, would be hard pushed to accept Marcus Rojo but that that would I mean it would be the most unusual um, way to end Phil Chisnell's run as the last player who transferred between those clubs if it was Rojo that went from United to Liverpool but strange things have happened on deadline day I mean Chelsea tried to sign Ashley Barnes that time and you know things like that uh, Peter Odden Wingy was driving to, well he was at QPR's training ground but they wouldn't let him in so as I said stranger things have happened than that although I still can't see it um I think that's about it. Obviously, Agarlo has gone, and unfortunately for him, uh, the, the, the pandemic just killed his momentum. Up until that point, he'd had a really good impact, and I think you saw from the, the well wishes he got from United supporters and players that uh, they kind of pretty they remember his time quite fondly, and he did score more goals as a lone striker than, than Radamel Falcao. Yeah, of course, and this dream came true. I think for any United fan, you know, they they love Agarlo because he's he's one of them. You know, he dreamt of United. He did it. He scored at Old Trafford. He played the Manchester yeah. derby with. What more can you ask for, really? Ty, end the podcast. United versus Arsenal. What's your prediction? Oh, we ended Every the last, week. Well, we ended the last podcast on Tuesday saying how easy and it was procession that United won't beat Sheffield United. So uh, if, if, if any Blades fans listen to that one, I'm surprised it's not been maybe clipped. We were very <laughs> cocky that uh, United had that one wrapped up. So uh, I thought yeah. it. Um, I thought it rather summed United disunited up that the one occasion we all turn up and think, well, this is going to be a walk in the park. They go and produce that. Um, they're just the unpredictable team, aren't they? Which is why you keep asking us for predictions. Um, I think. I think seven points out of nine from these next three tough Premier League games would be a hell of a return, and the most likely draw is is probably this one. So, I'm I'm going to go with uh, nil nil. Wow, great, uh, Samuel. Do I dare ask you, or are you going to make your prediction at the 89th minute? Or I'll I'll do it, and I'll. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean that that is that is probably something we should incorporate into live blogs now. The the team sheet prediction rather than just doing it. Yeah. As, as I say, I, I keep thinking of that FA Cup semi final where I was extremely confident United win, and as soon as I saw the team sheet, I thought this is this is only going to go one way here, and of course it did. Um, I, I think I'd say a draw as well. Uh, I, I'm just looking forward to going to a game where the outcome is boxed off with about half an hour to, to sort out the match piece because that, that's the one infuriating thing about covering United this season is that there, there's not been, apart from the Leeds game, a single easy win. Even the other games where they won by two goal margins, it was you know, edgy up until a point. At Newcastle, it was 1-1 going into the last 10 minutes. At Everton, you know, they were a decore shot away from from, uh, drawing that one, uh, the West Ham one, they were absolutely abysmal for an hour. So that that's the pitfall of covering United this season. Though, you know, it's, it's you know, as I said, I can't complain. We're in the privileged position of, of being able to go to the games, but it's, it's it's pretty taxing watching them at the moment. They they make it 
it's, it's that whole, oh, we don't make it easy for ourselves. And they don't make it easy for us writing about them either. No, exactly. At least Solskjaer's emulating Ferguson like that. And who knows, Whitley Emirates would uh, certainly boost out his chances of that unlikely title win this season. But uh, Samuel, Ty, thank you very much for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rich. And thank you very much for listening at home once again. And we say it every week. If you haven't liked and subscribed, then please do. It really does help us out. But we will be back next week to reflect on the game against Arsenal. And who knows, there could even be a transfer deadline day special. Who will we spot arriving at Manchester Airport? Who knows, there might be quarantines for 10 days anyway. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And we'll see you again next time.